Hello, Texans, and welcome to the podcast. Great to have you with us. And, oh, my goodness, what a week it has been in the National Football League with COVID wreaking havoc on the schedule. And luckily, nobody really sick, right? Nobody's really that sick, but it is something you have to deal with in life and in sports. And you have postponement of a couple of games already. And as I'm recording this, there could be more on the way. Now, the Texans-Jags on for Sunday at noon. And that one is different because, well, you have a few players affected by COVID. But, of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars are without Urban Meyer, who was let go this week. And I spoke with Frank Frangie, the voice of the Jaguars, before that went down. But you felt it was coming any moment, whether it was after the game on Sunday or before or sometime down the line, maybe week 16, 17, who knows. But it was going to happen, right? So he's gone. Daryl Bevel takes over. He's the offensive coordinator. They have Brian Schottenheimer on the staff as well. These are traditional. NFL guys, and we're going to get into that with Frank because the decision to hire them in the first place sort of perplexed me because I thought Urban Meyer was this innovative college coach and maybe he'd bring innovation into the league, but Jacksonville looked kind of very NFL-ish, if you will, despite having the number one overall pick in the draft, Trevor Lawrence, who looked so spectacular at Clemson, played at such a high level there. And look, he's doing some things. He makes some throws that open your eyes in the NFL, but the Jags haven't been winning. And he hasn't thrown more than one touchdown in the last six weeks. He threw three against the Texans on opening day. So we'll see how it goes for him against this Houston defense. And we'll see if the Jags get that pop that you get when you fire your coach. It happened with the Texans last year when they let go of Bill O'Brien. Romeo Cornell comes in and they beat the Jaguars in an inspired effort. But you get that backup quarterback bounce, right, that I talk about. The backup bounce. You get the interim coach bounce. You get a dead cat bounce, like they say on Wall Street. We'll see if the Jags get some of that on Sunday, and the Texans will do all they can to thwart it. Johnny Harris was talking about it in Thursday night's show about, yeah, they'll have their punch, but can you punch back and send them to a mindset of, oh, yeah, we're not very good. We're not as good as the Texans because we lost to them opening day. Now, so many things have changed since opening day for the Houston Texans. No Mark Ingram. All right, no Philip Lindsay. Those guys both scored in that game, and they went with the wild Ingram. Remember all that? Ingram had some yards in that game. They ran for 160 against Jacksonville. If they run for over 100 in this game, I'm feeling pretty good about my chances if the Texans don't turn the ball over. Davis Mills threw for over 300 yards last week in a loss to Seattle. If he can do that kind of thing again, throw for 250-plus, no turnovers, and you run for over 100 without turnovers – you're winning this football game because you will get a takeaway or two in North Florida on Sunday. We'll see how it goes. And I'm on record saying, look, I'm not really interested in the number one pick in the draft. Look, I might be if we get through the rest of the season. The Texans haven't won. Yeah, I'll welcome that. But I like to win games. I like to see the team win games. I think with four games left, that's a big chunk of the season. If you can go two and two somehow in these last four, I think that helps these young players, especially the quarterback, right? If you go two and two somehow in these last four, that means your quarterback has probably done some things that made you say, hmm, maybe he's the guy for 2022. And maybe he's not. Who knows? Maybe you're drafting Kenny Pickett. I don't know what they're going to do. But we've got a game to take in on Sunday at noon, and let's get to it. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jaguars, who, again, I recorded this with him before the firing of Meyer, but there's a lot of really good relevant stuff about this matchup and some college football stuff in Florida as well as Frank hosts a radio show there Let's get to him with his general reaction on the situation in Jacksonville. 
Well, tough, tough year, Mark. Good to be on with you. Thanks for calling. And yeah, I uh, no drama here, bro. Just same old stuff, uh, day in and day out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh, it's been, it's been an unusual season to say the least. And yeah, I think it's two teams that are kind of evenly matched, both struggling to kind of find themselves. Uh, and um, it's more unusual for you guys, Mark. I think because you guys are accustomed for a long stretch to winning the division. There, it's, it's been a tougher go here. So, but uh, yeah, tough, tough season so far, and. Uh, Interesting game coming up this week for sure. Well, opening day, the Texans and Jaguars met. You knew it was the debut for Trevor Lawrence and all that. And I expected the Jags to develop and improve from there. But what hasn't happened? What's needed to happen that you haven't seen from this team in a couple of key areas, Frank? You know, it's funny, Mark. I think uh, the Jaguars were terrible that, that opening day. It was the first game for Urban in the league, first game for Trevor in the league. And they were terrible. They got steadily better. You could their they they led Arizona a really good football team deep into the third quarter. They led Cincinnati at the half, who's a pretty good football team. They were getting better. They won two out of three at one stretch. It looked like they had turned the corner, and then the progress stopped. Uh, I I think a number of things happened. They never found the running game. James Robinson's a good back. They just haven't fed him, uh, and I think that is that has halted the progress and development of Trevor Lawrence. Mark. Uh, he's certainly frustrated now a little bit. He's had some of his toughest games of late because I think teams no longer respect the run or the fact that Jackson was going to try and run. And so I think the lack of a running game has led to a lack of an offense. And, I mean, this is the only team in the league that hasn't scored 24 points in a game all year. Most of the teams in the league have done it between five and ten times. The Jags haven't done it once. They haven't been north of 17 points since going to London in the middle of October. So this has been a tough go. Offense is the problem. Defense isn't bad, actually. This guy, Joe Cullen, the defensive coordinator, has done a pretty nice job with this group. But the offense has really struggled. That's that. That's the big picture, Mark, and that's what's gone wrong here. Yeah, I look at last week, Frank, and the point total for the Titans is not that high. Obviously, the turnovers for the Jaguars was a big problem. Why couldn't they run it, or why didn't they try to run it more last week? Was it just because they weren't converting on third downs or they were turning it over? Yeah, well, there's two two questions. Why couldn't they and why didn't they try more? Two different questions. Why couldn't they? The line didn't play very well. Um, the, The two guards had a tough day. The right tackle had a tough day. Uh, last week against the Titans, who are a physical football team. Same thing happened against the 49ers, who are a physical football team, Mark. Um, the big mystery is, and look, they're trying to get it right. Daryl Bevel, the, the coordinator, has been around this league a long time. He's a good football coach. But they seem to have bailed on the run. They didn't run very much last week. There were times I thought they could have stuck to the run a little bit more. Uh, they tend to go five wide and attack. When, when you would think they might run. So that's a big mystery. Urban Meyer spoke to it this week. He said, look, we, we probably bailed on the run again too early. I think this is a team that needs to try and run the football. Mark, even if it's running on first down and make two yards and running on second down and make a yard, third and seven, run a draw play and punt every now and then. I think it, you're, you're sending a message that you're not afraid to run and you're going to beat on the defensive line for a while. And that's what NFL teams do, and this team hasn't done as much. So I think if there's an adjustment to be made, I think they've got to run the ball more, and I think they've got to be more committed to trying to run the ball. I think that's the thing. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars, joining us. Give me a couple of wow moments for Trevor Lawrence so far this season where you say, all right, that's why he's the number one pick. We get it. We see it. I know you've seen it since training camp, but have there been certain moments this season where you see those flashes and it gives you great encouragement for the future? There haven't been enough. I can tell you he made two or three in the the Dolphins win. He made uh, two or three really good throws, one on a little skinny post to Chenault. Um, 
that set up the game-winning field goal. Same thing against Buffalo. But the reality is, it's there, Mark. This guy has got a big arm. He's athletic. He's twitchy for a six-foot-six guy. All that's there. I'll tell you what I've been most impressed with, though. It's the software, not the hardware. You know the hardware is there. He's a six-foot-six guy with a big arm. His numbers aren't very good this year. Neither were Josh Allen's, the Buffalo quarterback, when he started. His numbers are very similar to what Josh's were as a rookie. But the way he's handled everything emotionally, he, this is a, a humble guy, Mark. He's down to earth. He's a regular guy. He doesn't throw anybody under the bus. He's accountable. Um, that's why he's going to be great. This Remember now, he was 34-2 and two in college. He barely lost a game in high school. He expects to win, and, and that part's been frustrating for him. But he'll be okay. they got to find a way to develop him. they got to make sure the offensive plan's the right one, and I think that's the one thing they're going to have to evaluate when the season's over. But this guy's going to be pretty good. I can tell you, there's a, there's a calmness to him. There's a, there's a professionalism. There's a maturity in addition to all those, those great physical skills. He's just got to figure it out. Right now, he's, he's bailing on the pocket sometimes too early. Uh, he's, not, he's getting fooled by robber coverages. He's getting fooled by his own blitzes, things that he hasn't seen a lot because he's new to the NFL. But he's going to be a very good player. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Frank, straighten me out on this, because when Urban Meyer got the job, I figured the offense would have a lot of cool, innovative, college-type stuff in there. And maybe it has more than I'm seeing, because I don't watch every second of the Jaguars' games. And why, in your opinion, is there not more, if I'm correct about that? And did he do it just because he wanted to adapt to the NFL faster with traditional NFL coaches? What's your take on that? Well, your read is correct. It it is not... It's an offense that hasn't had a lot of imagination. It's an offense that just they just can't find their way. Uh, first of all, let me talk about the offense, and I'll get to Urban, Urban's presence in a minute, Mark. They just can't seem to find their way offensively. That That's the thing. Who are they? There's no identity. Do they want to run it? Do they want to pass it? And they, in even 13 games in, they're still striving to figure that out. As for Urban, he's been very hands-off. He, he has not been – he, he's talked about how he's not micromanaging – there's times you'll ask him, why didn't James Robinson play more? And he said, you know, you got to ask this position coach. I don't know that answer yet. Mm. He's been very, very, it's, it's, it's an unusual uh, dynamic. He's been very hands-off. He's been way more CEO than get-in-the-weeds coach guy. And that surprised me a little bit, too. And so, and I think it surprised a lot of folks here. So there hasn't been a lot of Urban Meyer fingerprints on this offense in terms of plays and gadgets. There hasn't been much of that. It's been Daryl Bevel's offense, Joe Cullen's defense, and Urban, at least from the outside looking in, appears to be more of a CEO with this team. Frank Frangi, voice of the Jaguars, joining us on Texans Radio. All right, you just played the Titans. Texans beat them a few weeks ago, and the Jaguars held them down. I know there's no Derrick Henry. We all know that. But what do you make of their situation here? Because for a while it looked like they were the darlings of the AFC, and I know a lot of teams have had that distinction from time to time this season. But what about the Titans moving forward, Frank? I think they have a good team. Uh, without Derrick Henry and now without A.J. Brown, it's not a great team. They are, You know how they're built, Mark. They're going to run the ball. They're going to try and play defense. Last year they weren't good defensively, but over the years they've been a good defensive team. They're a physical team. Um, Ryan Tannehill manages, he's thrown a lot of picks this year, so he hasn't had a great year, but he manages the game more than he wins the game for you. And when that's how you're built, and then you lose the guy you've built around your best player, uh, Derek, Har- Derek Henry, the world changes. Okay. And I think the world has changed for them. So, but Foreman's a good running back. They're a physical football team. They had lost to, then had a bye before we played them. They're good, not great. I, I will tell you, the team that's playing as well as anybody in football right now, I think, is the Colts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
Colts got off to that tough start. So because of that tough, and they lost twice to the Titans early on. So the Titans have every tiebreaker, obviously. But that's a team I don't think anybody wants to play right now, Mark. I, I think if you ask me the best teams in the National Football League, everybody's going to say the Bucks because the Bucks are great and the Packers are right there. And the Bills have been up and down. The Patriots are playing great now. But I think the Colts are the. I think the Colts might be one of the last teams I'd want to play if I was a playoff team. So, I'm the Titans are, are ahead. I don't know if they're a better football team than the Colts right now. Really interesting stuff because when you think about the start they they got off to, a lot right. of people left them for dead. And it just goes to show you how this league is, Frank. How do you think this season's playing out when you look at? The picture at large with 17 games, with the COVID situation really heating up this week, especially, and all the factors involved. Yeah, you got the doggone COVID thing, Mark. You keep thinking it's over and then it comes back, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't even mean just football. I mean in life and in cities. Uh, we'll fly to a city and all of a sudden everything's shut down. We'll fly to another city and it's not. And we're very blessed here in Florida, man. Everything's open and people are moving here because there, there's some there's some, there's some face masks. But, but for the most part, it's a pretty open world here mm-hmm. but man it's, it's affected the nfl I, I saw something today where the league and, and i think this could be a big breakthrough the league is considering i read this on twitter because twitter's always right right sure i read this today <laughs> that that it said they're considering albert Breer wrote it the league is considering as an enticement to get the booster for fully vaccinated players that now add the booster if you get the booster you won't be tested now that's not decided wow. but they're thinking about that that would be a game changer because then people aren't tested anymore. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be tested as they're positive, but I think that would be the game changer for the league as, as regard to COVID. As for how the league's gone, look, the great quarterback is the great quarterback, Tom Brady. He's probably going to be in the Super Bowl. The great coach, Bill Belichick, he might be in the Super Bowl. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a dynamic player. He could be in the Super Bowl. At the end of the day, there's not a lot of surprises. When we get to January and deep into January, we know the league, Mark. It's the teams that know how to do it. And I think the rest of us, David Culley is going to try and build that over there. Urban Meyer is going to try and build that here. Everybody sees the way the model franchises do it. And at the end of the day, I think you're going to see the model franchises standing. For whatever reason, if every, if everybody could figure out that secret sauce that the ones who are really good at it have, they're the ones that are going to play in very deep. I, there, there's, there's no real surprise to me the way that all plays out. Frank, I know you cover college football in the Sunshine State as well. So what do you make of what's going on with the Holy Trinity of Florida, Florida State, and the University of Miami? I mean, these teams have just not produced the way they've been accustomed to in the past. And, look, I think the Gators and the Seminoles can get back there. I think it's going to be harder for the Hurricanes, but they just got crystal ball. What are you thinking? Well, I'll tell you what's happened, Mark. I think exactly what's happened in the state. People tried to win with X's and O's. Dan Mullen's a very good X's and O's guy. Jim McElwain, the the former Florida coach. McElwain came to Florida as an X's and O's guy. Mike Norvell, the FSU guy now, was a very good X's and O's offensive guy as a coordinator for Todd Graham at Arizona State and then a head coach at Memphis. I think that's changed. You know what Florida and Miami did? They went and hired guys who had worked for the Saban Corporation. Okay, The Saban Corporation, otherwise known as Alabama football, is what's winning. That means you build this gorgeous football facility and you hire a hundred analysts and you have the, and it's all geared about around getting recruits to come to your school. And, and the Saban corporation does it better than anybody. Mm. You know where Mario Cristobal really learned how to do it when he was under Saban, you know, where Billy Napier learned how to do it when he was under Saban. I think both Florida and Miami, they're tired of all these really good players from Florida leaving and going to Alabama and Clemson and Ohio state and LSU and Georgia. And I think they're trying to keep those players here. So what they've done, I don't know how good an X's and O's coach Cristobal is or Napier is. 
What I do know is they worked for the Saban Corporation. Get this, Mark. So we, we saw the numbers for Billy Napier. Think about this for a second. He's making $7.5 million, which is standard for a good coach in college. He's got $7 million to pay his, his 10 assistant coaches. So they're going to average seven hundred grand a guy. Whatever, whatever. Some will be more, some will be less. Mark, he also has $5 million to go to everybody else that's not a head coach or an assistant coach. $5 million. So let's say that average analyst makes fifty grand, or whatever whatever they make. That's a hundred guys, a hundred. Mm. Now it's not going to play out exactly like that, right. but that gives you an idea of what Alabama has done. They have more analysts, more employees. It's a corporation built on bringing players to your to your school. And uh, everybody watch how Alabama did it, and Miami and Florida trying to do the same thing. It's going to be a very very intriguing watch the next two or three years. Yep, yeah, NIL to the race to the arms yep. race of college athletics, and it really changes everything. Frank, uh, one more for you here, and I don't know if there's a a direct answer to this, but number one pick in the draft, you had it last year, and here are the Texans and the Jags, and I would say try to avoid that maybe. I yep. never feel good about having it, and the Texans have had it three times expansion year. They had it in 06. They had it in 13. I think that sometimes it's a trap. What are your thoughts on the Jags and maybe the fan base, media, maybe the organization too, how they feel about possibly having the number one overall pick again? Well, you don't want to have it because that means you're lousy. You know, mm-hmm. nobody wants to be lousy, and this is the first time with Trevor Lawrence, the first time Jags have ever had that first pick. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think he's going to be a really good player. So, no, you don't want to have it because that means you're lousy. It's also not the right year to have it because it's not a great draft. I do think between the Jags, the Texans, and the Lions, they're going to have the two first picks two, three of those, between those three teams. And I do think the two defensive ends are pretty good players. I really do, I really think the kid from Michigan and the kid from Oregon are pretty good players, Mark. So, so whoever gets those first two, is gonna, their team's going to be better. I will tell you this about the draft. The one thing I believe passionately, man, passionately – is when you get one of these young quarterbacks and you surround them with receivers, they, your team gets pretty good. The Cardinals never beat anybody. All of a sudden, they get Kyler Murray, and then they go and get him Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore and DeAndre Hopkins from your team. All of a sudden, they're really good. Same with the Bengals. The Bengals have never beaten anybody, but they get Burrow, and then they get Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, and they surround him. All of a sudden, Joe Mixon, he's pretty good. Go get a lot of weapons and put them around your quarterback, and that's what I hope the Jags do. So I'll give you a long answer to a short question. I don't think they want the number one pick because that means they're not a very good football team. If they get one or two, I think they'll take one of those defensive ends. But other than that, I think you've got to go get receivers, 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 uh, whether it's through free agency or the draft, and give Trevor Lawrence some weapons. What's your feeling on this game this weekend, Frank? Because the Texans are very different than they were opening day. Yeah, they are. Uh, and I think Davis Mills playing changes the dynamic. I think Tyrod Taylor playing, the Texans would beat the Jaguars. And I have no doubt about it. With Davis Mills playing, I still probably lean toward the Texans because right now it just feels dysfunctional here. Well, Frank, I look forward to seeing you on Sunday, game day. Always a pleasure. Always fun to have game day no matter what the situation is. So thanks so much for the visit. You're doggone right, Mark. Great catching up with you. See you soon. All right, I left it right there because Frank went on to say some things about Urban Meyer and the dysfunction that the coach has brought or the coaching culture has brought there, and he was let go shortly after the conversation with the play-by-play man of the Jaguars, so you get the gist of that. That's going to do it for the podcast today. want to thank everyone who worked on it and welcome you to listen to all the other podcasts regarding your Texans wherever you got this one or wherever fine podcasts are available. The game Sunday at noon on Sports Radio 610 and the Bull 100.3. FM, the Texans and the Jaguars. Have a great day, everyone, and go Texans!